are now listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor. Please join the service in progress. another birthday this week came from a poor family 11 children but God brought me all the way that's why I sing this song I can't let a day go by without praising his name I, I can't forget from Wednesday I came I can't let a day go by Without counting the cost No, no, no I can't let a day go by Without praising, praising his name Anybody feel like that today? No, no, no Praise him right now. I, can't I cannot forget. Run with my I can't keep it. 
I can't keep it to myself. I've got to run, 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 Father, in Jesus' name, we are so thankful, grateful for the week that you blessed us with, for the time that you gave us, the way, the safety of the travel, and the opportunity to return home and to be here again in the house of prayer. As we said, back to the real world, to the labor, to the challenges that stand in our way and before us. Thankful and grateful for the rest that you gave us on yesterday, last night, and for rising early this morning with our hearts and minds focused on you and on this opportunity to be in the house of prayer. Thank you for the blessing of the fellowship together, for the worship experience, for the songs, the scriptures, the prayers. And now, Lord, for the word. We pray that you would lift again your human out of self and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Speak through us. Bless now the words that are in our mouth and the meditations that are on our heart, that it may be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, bless us now with the truth as you would give it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God. 
ask you prayers this morning as we look again in the book of First Thessalonians. I can't seem to let it go because every time the Lord just showed me the next verse. And that's what he did. I remember when I was young in, in the preaching ministry and um, I was thinking one time, how in the world can you stand before the same group of people week after week and have something fresh to share? And God spoke to me through another preacher and he said, look at the next verse. And so I'm going to look at the next verse. We've been in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for the last four, three weeks. This is now week four. We started with verse number 16. So we looked at verse 16, rejoice evermore. We looked at verse 17, pray without ceasing. We looked at verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. This morning, verse 19. And it simply but powerfully says, quench not the spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. And I want to talk this morning about do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, I think that um, you can understand the, the simplicity of the text because the Apostle Paul has made it very clear as we have been looking at these little short from a musical standpoint, staccato commands that he has given to us. And we have looked at three of those commands, and now we look at command number four. You would remember that Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica, a newly formed church that's been in existence at the time of this writing now only about a month. Maybe a little bit more because he only spent three weeks there preaching and laying down the foundation, introducing them to Christianity. And because the Judaizers came down from the visiting city he had to leave, and he was unsure as to whether or not the short time that he had spent with them had been adequate enough to impart or to deepen the biblical truths that he had offered to them. And so he writes back out of concern to try to ensure that these truths had taken root in the hearts of the people. And what he has been talking about to them are the basis of what's necessary to grow a strong church. And since they were new, he wanted to make sure that they understood the elements. And he had talked to them earlier about the relationships that should be in a church. He had talked to them about the relationship of the shepherd. That's the analogy that he used. The pastor and the people, the shepherd and the sheep. And he had also talked to them about the relationship that the sheep, the members, should have with one another, other sheep. And in the section that we have been looking at from verse 16 all the way through 22, he has really been talking now about the relationship that the sheep, the members, should have to the great shepherd who is God. And so in that relationship that people should have to God, he has said that your response to God should be that 
You should rejoice always. That you should be the people who respond to him by praying without ceasing. That you ought to be the people who in everything in your life give him thanks. And now he is saying, and do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now, I've read a lot of commentaries, and I read different things, and most of the commentaries are suggesting that Paul writes this statement, do not quench the spirit, or quenching not the spirit, to correct an error that was in the church concerning the use of charismatic gifts. The charismatic gifts, as you may well know, include prophesying because the book, the canon of the Bible, had not been completed at that time. The, the use or the speaking of tongues and in some other ways, some of the other gifts. And most of the commentators say that Paul was correcting that, that there was some abuse or misuse of those gifts among the Thessalonians. The same as it had been among the Corinthian people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, Paul spends an enormous amount of time correcting that error among the Corinthian people. However, I do not find that that is what this text really is doing, nor is that what Paul doing. What I believe is that Paul is simply summarizing to the young church reminders of what is needed to be effective in Christian living. I do not see any compelling reason that he would be writing to them over any abuses of spiritual gifts. Number one, if he had detected a misuse of gifts in the short period of time that he had been there, he would have written detailed information to them the same way that he had written to the people at Corinth. Paul wouldn't let a new church start off on the wrong foot without addressing that. So that's not the issue. And, and it's not a question of them following the pattern of the Corinthian church because the Corinthian church had not yet come into existence. See, Paul came into Europe. He came into Europe through Philippi. And he came from Philippi down to Thessalonica. And from Thessalonica, he goes down to Berea. And from Berea, he goes down into Corinth. And he has not yet made it into Corinth. And nor has he founded the church in Corinth yet. So this could not be addressing the error of the Corinthian people. What he's doing is simply saying to Christian people, as a part of your life, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Now, 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 what you need to understand is what is the Holy Spirit and what is his work and how is it that we then can be guilty of quenching the Spirit? Well, you would remember Jesus in the latter days of his teaching as he was about to go back to heaven. He said to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, he talked. Many dwelling places. He said, if it wasn't the truth, I wouldn't have even told you about it. Then he started telling them. He said, I'm going somewhere. And where I go, you, you, you can't go right now, but you, you will. 
And he's, he was letting them know that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I am, you can be also. And then he said, but don't worry, I won't leave you comfortless. He said, I'm going to pray to the Father when I get home that he will send you another one just like me. And what he was saying, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, now, just as I've been your teacher, he's going to be your teacher. And just like I've been your friend, he's going to be your friend. And just like I've been your comforter, he will be your comforter. And like I've been your guide, he will be your guide. And, and, and the difference between us is that I have been with you, but he will be in you. I built a fire around you. He's going to build a fire in you. And, and what you need to understand is that when that fire began to burn, don't quench it. And, and, and I want, want you to know what quench means. Quench means to extinguish, to put out, to stifle, to retard, to not allow it to grow. And, and our problem is that, that, that when God wants to do a work, we have a whole lot of folk that be trying to put the fire out. And, 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 and that's what, what Paul is saying. Now, no, don't quench the spirit. Add along to it. You, you ought to want to put some wood on the fire so that the fire can, can grow. But we have to ask ourselves then, what has the church done or is the church doing to quench the spirit? Well, I, I, I looked at uh, what John MacArthur had to say in his new book on this subject. And MacArthur said that the church uh, has quenched the spirit through the charismatic movement. And I wanted to see, I, I read it a little closer. I said, let me see what you got to say, MacArthur. And he goes on to say that, that what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to sanctify us, that is to separate us and to move us further along the line of becoming more Christ-like. And he says, and while the charismatic people, and I know people in our church that have the, those gifts, and, and he says that while the charismatic talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, they very well could be quenching the spirit because the, the, the movement puts its emphasis on what can be seen, what can be spoken, heard, and what can be felt. But and, and he, MacArthur goes on and said, but that's not all that the Holy Spirit is interested in doing because much of the work that the Holy Spirit does you can't see, you don't hear, and you won't feel. <laughs> and, and, and then he, he uses the analogy of what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said that, that when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he talked about how, how the spirit moves like the wind. You can't see the wind. You can't sometimes hear the wind but you can feel of the effects of the wind. And, and so sometimes to just make uh, an experience just only what we can see and what we can hear and what we can feel would limit greatly the invisible work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you, I mean, boy asked me one time, said, which one of those sermons turned you around, Pastor Wesley? I said, I don't know. I don't even know when it happened. I just know that it happened. You know, see, we, in, the, in the old church, you know, the preacher would say, or people would get their testimony, and they would say, I was down in the cornfield, and 
Some to Alabama and some hit me in the top of my head and I start running and I start crying and I ain't been the same ever since. That's not everybody's experience. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just moves and before you know it, you're different. You look at people different, you feel different, you think different and you may not even see when it occurred. So I can agree that we can sometimes quench the spirit looking for it to come only in a certain dimension. But that was something else that MacArthur said that I thought was interesting. And, and he said that the second way the, the church or the world has adopted in quenching the spirit is through psycho, psychology. Now, we all know that there is an, a rise in concerns over mental health. And I agree that there are people who may need support in medications and, and counseling and some other kinds of things like that. But that alone should not replace the person of Christ in the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is, some of the issues is just a matter of a, a need for a good dose of Jesus. <laughs> can, can, can I be honest? Some, sometimes some of the issues that have mounted from the past that was no Jesus installed in, and, and consequently, people didn't know to look to him for the support and help. Now, I'm not as radical as MacArthur. MacArthur was saying people don't need uh, any of that at all. But I don't, I don't agree with that. I agree that people may need the support that the medical services can provide. But I do agree that people need the Holy Ghost. Because if, if God can plant a seed in your heart, and convict you of your sin, and can save your soul from a burning hell, he can also deal with whatever concerns you. But, the, but those may be general ways in which people may quench the Holy Spirit, but there are, in my judgment, more specific ways in which people quench the Holy Spirit. So let's look first at what the Holy Spirit is to do. We know that he's a fire, right? Because that's, what, that's how he appeared. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, he appeared as cloven tongues of what? Fire that fell upon them. Right? But, but now, as, 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 as people, the Holy Spirit is, is spoken of as a fire, not only in that one place, but is spoken of a fire in other places in Scripture as well. But the challenge is not to quench him because he can be quenched. He can be extinguished. He can, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Paul writes about that in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And I, I guess somebody here might be wondering, what's the difference between quenching the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit? Quenching the Holy Spirit is what we do. Grieving the Holy Spirit is how he feels about what you have done. When, when, you, when you, we quench the Holy Spirit, and that grieves God. Because it means you're stopping, slowing down, retarding something that he wants to do. And it grieves him. But we need to also know that the scripture also speaks of something else that people do. People can resist the Holy Spirit. And Jesus chastised the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 25 and thinking of 24 about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. So, so it falls in the two categories there, my brother. You got what believers do and you got what unbelievers do. Unbelievers resist the Holy Spirit and unbelievers blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. But believers quench the Holy Spirit and believers sometimes grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay? So let's, let's look a little deeper at what the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
I, I think it's, it's, it's a process. And the process is he wants to separate me, right? That's what he wants to do. He wants to separate me more and more and more from my sinful behavior, from my sinful thoughts, from my sinful activities, and move me more and more toward Christ. That's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And in that process, he does it through several different activities. First thing he does, he, he wants to illuminate my life with the word. So God, the Holy Spirit came to, to shine the light on the word. And, and, and sometimes we can, we can grieve the Holy Spirit when we resist the word. And how do we resist the word? When we don't like the preacher. We push back. We think the word is not good. It's not God's word because it came through a human vessel. And, and we, can, we can stop the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the purpose of, of the word? The word is when you take in the word. You, it, it, another analogy is, is eating the word. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you eat of the word, what happens? We will grow. We will grow in our understanding more of who Christ is and what God's will is in our life. But we can quench that. We can stunt our own growth. And that's what the text is talking about. Do not quench, do not stop the word from doing its work in you. Jesus made it very clear that, you know, there are going to be some things you're not going to remember about me. But when he comes, he'll bring those things to, you, to your remembrance. He'll, he'll bring back to your mind what I have said. And, and listen, we don't memorize all verses in all 66 books. But when we read it, what God does through the Holy Spirit is he shines a light on it. And he makes it come alive. He illuminates that word to us. And when he illuminates that word to us and we take it in, then we change. Wow. That, 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 that's a, uh, a verse of scripture that I share sometime in, in the book that I wrote when I, since I'm still fresh off the marriage conference. I talk about, you know, in, in a marriage, the, it's supposed to be the word of the father or the husband that cleanses the wife. And, and I thought about that, man, as I was looking at this. And I, I, it's the same way with us. How, how are we clean? We're cleansed through the word. When we hear the word, the word corrects what's wrong in us. And it purifies and causes us to repent and causes us to change. Now, in a family, when the man, the father, the husband, when he speaks the word, if he's speaking the right word and the truth, it will do the same thing. It will cleanse, it will purify, it will give guidance to that family. <laughs> Today's world, people don't want to say obey. But if the word is the right word, then you should. What? And, and from a woman's standpoint, what do women want? Be secure. And what do Christians want? To be secure. And where do we get that security? From the word of God. But we miss it when we do what? Quench the Holy Spirit. The second way that I think we, we, we quench the Holy Spirit, not only is because the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the word, the Holy Spirit wants to create intimacy, that is closeness with God. The Holy Spirit is trying to draw us ever closer to who? 
to God because the intent is that we would become into the image of Christ. And, and, and we can stop that. Have you ever, have you ever noticed in, in human activity that sometimes when people are trying to get close, they will block the closeness. They will put up a barrier to keep the person from getting too close. When people sometimes in friendships or relationships or whatever, when they find themselves moving close to each other, somebody will do something to make sure that they disrupt that because it becomes uncomfortable to get too close. The same thing Jesus promised through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to bring things you remember. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to make God real to you. And when God is reaching out to us to draw us ever closer to him, then what do we do? We quench the Holy Spirit. We say, oh, no, that's, that's, getting, too, that's getting too close. We, we, we start listening to the world. We start listening to criticism. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? You're, you're, not, you're not him. You can't be him. And we start resisting. And we start pushing back on the draw. We start getting too close to God, man. We say, oh, wait a minute, hold up. I don't know if I want to be that close. I don't want to be that good. I don't want to be that holy. I don't want to be that right. And we find ourselves, what? Quincing, resisting, slowing down, retarding the movement of the Holy Spirit. There's a third thing that I think that, that happens, ways in which we as, as humans quench the Holy Spirit. And that is, we got to understand what he want to do. The Holy Spirit wants to, wants to glorify God. And, and, and you, you, remember, you remember in the Old Testament that, that Moses, Moses went up on the mount to, to, to hear God and to be with God. And he was gone such a long time that the people in the valley said, what's wrong with Moses? Where is he? We don't know whether he's coming back or not. And Moses was up on the mount receiving the commandments, receiving the word. And when Moses came off of the mount, because he had been in the presence of God, his face lit up. And his face was so bright with the illumination from being in the presence of God, that the people said, wait, we, we need to slow that down. Put, put a veil on your face. And, and they put a veil on Moses' face because they could not stand to be reminded of the presence of God's glow. <laughs> Man, I just don't... I, I, if you've been in church for any length of time, you begin to see it in the church. Church start moving, church start growing, God start blessing, and it looked like he's drawing us closer, and it looked like he want to shine the light on us and something. So I'm going to grow. We're going to put a veil on that. <laughs> but Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, but that's going to come a day with unveiled faces. You'll see still the glory of God. God wants us, and in everything that we do, God wants to get the glory. God doesn't mind sharing the blessing, but what he's not going to share is the glory. That's what got Satan kicked out of heaven because he wanted the same glory that God had. God doesn't mind you having whatever you need, whatever you may want. He'll give the blessing. But the glory belongs to him. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and what? Glory. glory. How long? 
forever. And so sometimes when it looks like the glory is coming, then we will, we will quench the spirit. We will push back and we will not allow God to be glorified. And that is quenching the spirit. But not only that, not only, not only does God want to illuminate, these are, these, are, these are works of the Holy Spirit. This is why this is, why this is not a correction of a use of charismatic gifts. But this is just a simple command for daily living. For daily living, we need to understand that we shouldn't be trying to dis extinguish, slow down, retard the Holy Spirit. In some churches, man, I've seen, man, when the spirit get moving and people get going, man, then we, 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 we'll kill it. I heard pastor one day said, no, I'm not going to quench the spirit, but I'm going to quench you. <laughs> and, and maybe that might be in some cases where it's, it's, it's more showy than it is authentic. But the, the point is that we, we should not be trying to Slow down the illumination when God is seeking to manifest himself. We should be one to make sure that that manifestation takes place. I don't want to look at number four. The, 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 the fourth thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he guides us into God's will. And, and, and what that means is God through the Holy Spirit, directs our path. And then he wants to put our foot in the path that he wants us to be in. But sometimes we will resist that. Listen, what, what did the Old Testament, let me start there first, and I'll come to the New Testament. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 30, Isaiah talks about how when you walk, there'll be sometimes a voice behind you telling you, turn this way or turn that way. Because that is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you make good decisions. But sometimes we will quench the Holy Spirit when he's trying to give us guidance. We'll tell the Lord, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But this is what I'm going to do. And this is the direction that I'm going to go in. And, and we won't follow him when he's trying to give guidance. We talked about it before in our prayers. In, in the old song with a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And, and when, we, when we don't do that, we are quenching. We are, are stifling, we are blocking God from giving the guidance that he wants to give through our lives and into our lives. And so, so he wants to guide us and show us what is the will of God, show us what's right. But I promise you, man, if somebody else got a different thought about it, we'll listen to that. Before we listen to God, and we can quench the Holy Spirit. And the last point that I want to make for the morning is that what is the Holy Spirit does? He, he, he strengthens us where? Inside. He strengthens us inwardly. And, 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 and how does he do that? He, he, he brings the word to us. He illuminates our minds. He shows us things to come. He blesses us. And he gives the instruction of the word. And he strengthens us with might. Listen, that's what Paul, Paul taught the Corinthians. Paul taught other people to pray. He said, in, in Ephesians, he said, listen, my prayer for you is that God will strengthen you with might. Where? In your inward man. Because that's where God knows we need strength. Yeah, we can go to the gym and we can get strong legs and we can get strong arms to the gym. But if we're going to get stronger minds and stronger wills 
and, and, and stronger decision-making abilities, that has to come through the Holy Spirit. But we can quench that because of pride, and we can quench that because of selfishness. We can quench that because of a lot of different things that we do to put up the block to keep God from strengthening us. Well, God already know that. You know, sometimes, man, we just, we turn it off. And when we turn it off, you know, I, I, find, it, I find it really true, sadly, among preachers. Can I just be honest with you? That there, there, are, there are preachers and pastors out here in this world that don't know and they don't know what they don't know, but they don't go nowhere to get nothing. I find, I find it amazing that, that, that a man will go to a meeting and he'll spend $1,500 for a suit, but won't spend $15 for a book that, that, that can give him or her the information that they need. There's an old saying that if you want to hide something from African-American people, put it in a book. Because we, we, we don't want to be strengthened with the might and power of God in our inner man. And we quench, we put out, we put down the Holy Spirit because we don't want to grow. So what is it, what is, how does it translate in church? We, we, we don't want to grow in our inner man, so we don't want to expose ourselves to Bible study. We don't want to put ourselves in the place where teaching goes on. We don't want to put our place where we have to study, read a little bit more, hear another passage or anything like that. I don't want to hurt nobody in this church, but I'll tell you the truth. We will, we will, we will spend the entire Sunday school hour walking the hall and sitting in the gym rather than sitting in a class. We, 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 we'll know that we have small group, but we won't sign up for one. And then we'll leave here and we'll go to another church where they have small group and it become the greatest thing since like bread. Never heard of small group because you never went. You never attended. And what is that? It's called quenching the Holy Spirit. And, and, and God is saying to us, Paul, through the command of God, he said, what we need to do is understand these, these processes of growth. You have to rejoice from the inside, always. You, you, you have to be the kind of person who pray without ceasing. That is, not constantly mumbling, but you, you have to have God on your mind. You have to be the kind of person who learn how to give God thanks in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then he says, and do not quench the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to put the fire out. Build the fire up. I used to hear the folk in the old church say, I wonder if the light from the lighthouse will shine on me. You know, how much of that do we really want? Do we really want the Lord to shine on us? Do we really want the light from the lighthouse to light our life? Do we really want God to direct our path? We want him to do it when it's convenient. But when it's not convenient, then we decide, no, God, I'm not sure I want you to direct my path. I want you to only direct my path under certain conditions. When there's no trouble on the line, then I got it. When there's trouble on the line, then God, I need you to have it. But if we're going to be the people who grow through the Spirit, then we have to be people who are open through the Spirit. And maybe next week I'll come back and talk about the prophesying, the Word. Not resisting the Word. These are commands.
everyday living. It's not trying to keep you from speaking or not speaking. It's not trying to keep you from singing or not singing. But it's trying to give you the freedom to allow God to complete his separating work in your life from where you were to as he moves you into the image of Christ. See, something about that name Jesus, isn't it? Something about that name Jesus. It sounds good when it's in church, but it's got to sound good beyond that. It's got to be good all the time. It's got to be, we got to be able to let it heal us. We got to be able to let it guide us. We got to be able to let it direct us. We got to be able to let it have his way in our life. But today, I want to give you that opportunity. We open now the doors of the church and say, the name of Jesus is the name through which you can be saved. The Holy Spirit is the comforter that Jesus gives to the believer. And he will indwell you and he will help you grow and become the person that God wants you to be. But you can't resist him. You can't stop him when he's moving and when he's trying to grow you and move you along the line. If you desire him today, you can have him. The doors of the church are open. Anytime during the singing of the song, give God your heart. Give one of these your hand. And let's begin this walk. Something about the name of Jesus. Doors of the church are open.
call his name Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. And he is Lord. He is Lord. You got an opportunity here this morning to grow, to let the Holy Spirit have his way as we have the study hour to follow. I want you to attend the class of your choice. God bless you. Let's stand together for the closing song. God be with you. Amen. our comforter, as our guide, as our helper. And we pray that you would help us individually not to do those things that would quench, slow down, retard, the move, the flame, the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives as you continue to do your sanctifying work in us. We pray today especially for Jeanette's sister. Pray for other people, Lord, who help personal challenges. We pray for their healing. We pray for their well-being. Pray for families that are in bereavement, grief-stricken. We pray for this nation, God. We pray, God, that you would direct and that you would keep us on the right path. Pray for the church. We pray, Lord, for law enforcement officers. We pray for our families, near and far. We pray that you would continue to lead God and direct now, Lord, as we go our way, we pray for the study time for the teachers as they take charge of their classes. Pray for the Word of God as it continues. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. You have been listening to a message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue, Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama, 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205-925-5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org. 
for an uplifting message. Please join us for the next broadcast.